ask me to talk. Connection through conversation. Join self-described conversationalist Stacy Heller as she talks with guests about topics and ideas from the ridiculous to the sublime on Don't Ask Me to Talk. Now, here's your host, Stacy Heller. Hello, that is me. I am Stacy Heller, your host for Don't Ask Me to Talk. I, last week, had Nancy Cantor on, and I don't think that I've had a guest yet that has been able to talk more than I do. So she wins the award for ability to talk as much as me. Uh, A reminder to people, if you can't listen to the show live, you can always check out the podcast version of Don't Ask Me to Talk. You can find it on Podcast One, Spotify, Apple, Google, and more. You can also text DAMTT to 55678, and you will get details sent straight to your phone. So much easier than emails, which you put into the trash anyway. Uh, if you want to call in with a comment, a suggestion, a question, call 425-373-5527. You can also find me through my website, Stacy Connects. My guest today is Simi Carr. Care. Care. I See, I was supposed to say care. Um, I know that Simi is a real estate agent, and I know that she loves to cook Indian food. Beyond that, I'm going to be learning about Simi as we go. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Stacey. I'm excited to be on the show. Absolutely. I, I love that this show gives me the opportunity to meet new people and expand my horizons. I mean, the whole premise of the show is connection through conversation. So who knows? You and I may find out that we are uh, soul sisters um, from another life or something. You never know. Right? You never know. It could happen. Um, So my rant and ramble. Here's Here's the deal. Last week, I worked with Michael Bruce Image Consulting for the uh, Bellevue Collections annual Fall Fashion Week. Bruce and the team have been partnering with Bellevue uh, Square for the past 15 years. And I got to, I'm doing air quotes, got to help with those consultations. They did these uh, consultations that were kind of 20 minutes in the space or so, and then 20 minutes to go shopping wherever you might wanna go if you needed education or suggestions for what to wear. And it was a lot of fun. I forgot what it's like to dress up because you can't possibly be working with an image consultant and wear just, you know, the regular clothes. So I had to up my game in a big way. So Fall Fashion Week always costs me a fortune in insecurity. (laughs) However... (laughs) It's fine. I put looks together. I made it happen. I made it uh, about four hours in my high heels before I quickly transferred to my sneakers and kept sneakers on for the rest of the time. It's hard to wear shoes. And for anybody that knows me and has hung out with me, especially at my house, I sit at the counter in my kitchen and I always drop my right shoe onto the floor. It's the weirdest thing. I I do it here, too. Like, right now, my left shoe is on and my right shoe is off. It's very strange. Um, Anyway, it was a really fun experience to do that. Um, 
I continually learn a ton from the Michael Bruce Image Consulting team about just myself, what makes sense for me, watching them work with other people. Um, They have a show here on KKNW and a podcast as well called Wisdom from the Wardrobe. And I like to tease Bruce. He's like a brother to me. And so I'm always calling him an idiot because that's what I call my brothers. And he, in these moments, he shows up and you really see his knowledge and his experience and his training. And that is really cool to see your idiot brother show up. (laughs) I'm, you know, I probably should be nicer, but you know what? That's just not my personality. Um, Okay. Another thing that I'm working on is I am working on, and I can't remember if I talked about this last week or not. Eric, do you remember if I talked about a movable feast? I, I think we've talked about it off air, but I'm not sure that you mentioned have, it on the I show. I have, so. like, so here's the situation, folks. I am going to be doing a new show that is on Kixie. What is the, what are the numbers for Kixie? 880. 880. And it is going to be a show about food. Simi, you'll like this. The idea behind it is that I take my recording equipment and I move from place to place. I want to go to, like, do you have a bodega? Do you have a bakery? Do you have a restaurant, a food truck, whatever it is? And I want to interview people in the food industry who are a unique breed in and of themselves because it is a hard industry to be in. And I want to hear the story behind the food or the restaurant or whatever, however they've chosen to express themselves because there's typically an interesting food culture or a story there or, you know, a grandparent that inspired a love of cooking a certain type of food. Um, And I want to be able to move from place to place. And I'm, not really as interested in talking about the food because I feel like just as with art, food is subjective. So if I don't like a certain type of food, or for me, for instance, cilantro, I'm one of those people where cilantro tastes like soap. So <laughs> like, you know, cilantro, anything with cilantro or too much cilantro, I'm turned off by it. And so for me to talk about the food, that doesn't make sense. However, to talk about the story and to let these these foodies or these food people talk about their restaurant or their establishment in a language other than food, I feel like it, it enhances the experience for people that are maybe going to go then to that restaurant or to that bakery or that place. There's something about hearing the story that it's like engaging more of your senses. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think like if you hear the story about something, does that make it more palatable? It it does. It does. When I did cooking classes, I always had the story behind it. And I think that's what connected with my audience. And they were always curious about the stories more than what we were going to learn to cook. Right. I mean, there's just something about yeah. and and I think, you know, and I'll use restaurants because, you know, that's just the easiest example. You know, restaurants, the decor that they pick, either setting the ambiance or the lighting or even 
what the wait staff maybe wears, the music they play. So there's all of that, that they're setting a tone. And there's all of that as a very specific decision. And they don't get to to tell any more about really the story. I mean, maybe they put art on the walls that that indicates like the culture or maybe the music is indicative of, you know, um, the vibe. But to really tell the story and to talk about the passion and the whole premise behind this is to have a what I'm referring to as a three course conversation. So the first course being, okay, for starters, See what I did there? Uh, Let's talk about where did this come from? Uh, What is the origin story of this business that you have or this passion that you have? For the main course, you know, let's get to the meat or fish (laughs) or, you know, or vegetable of the story where it's the main the main vibe that you're trying to share, that you're trying to convey Um, the thing that really motivates you. And then for that last course of the conversation, talking about what drives you forward. What are you hoping to do with the business? What is the thing that keeps you getting up and doing this day after day after day? So I'm very excited about this. If anybody that is listening to this has a food establishment that they want me to come and visit, let me know. Um, reach out to me through my website, stacyconnects.com, And I am looking for people that want to tell their story. So I would welcome that. Um, okay. Personal update. Headed to Connecticut this weekend uh, to visit Grace for Parents Weekend. And she indicated that we're going to do a brunch. Wait, I'm sorry. A mimosa brunch, a.k.a. Let's just drink at her house with her roommates and their parents. So I'm hoping that there's some food. I'm not sure. Uh, maybe bagels, right? Uh, I don't know. And okay. then mimosa just remind that's orange juice and champagne, right? Yes, which right. I like neither of those things. Really, I do not like orange juice and I do not like champagne. I had a very bad experience with champagne on a New Year's Eve long time ago. And ever since then, I consider it the match that could ignite my stomach. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm putting it delicately. Um, So I will refrain from that. And then she informed me that there is a darty. That's right, folks. A day party. A darty. Only in Connecticut. And it's going to be at the beach. And so that should be interesting. So I guess we get to have like a day in the life of our senior in college, which is basically going from brunch to darties to evening cocktails. I don't know. So it should be fun. Um, Okay. My Staceyism for this week. Uh, Lately, I've been meeting people from all different uh, cultures and areas and demographics, religions, um, sexuality, the whole thing. And I remember as a kid learning that the United States is a melting pot. That was the term that was always used. And I happen to be a baker. And I know that when you melt chocolate in a pot... They don't automatically mix together. They actually just sort of melt and then they all stay together unless you mix it up. 
And so if we are a melting pot, that's great. However, that means that we need to mix things up a little bit. We can't stay where we melted. Does that make sense? Right? I mean, I think we need to to blend in together. It's it's how you create new flavors and, and new layers of flavor and new interesting vibes. So it's just something that I've been thinking about a lot. And for some reason, that phrase in particular uh, always comes to mind around Thanksgiving time. Because, of course, the story of, you know, the pilgrims and being from the East Coast, all of that. Um, so anyway, so that is my Stacyism of the week. Uh, let's see. Let's take a really quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to get to know Simi. And I am excited for this. So keep listening to Don't Ask Me to Talk. We will be right back after this message. Feelings of disconnect are the cause of an ever-surging mental health crisis. Many of us feel apathetic about ourselves, our work, home, and relationships. We don't know how to re-engage. I'm Greg Kuyper of Kuyper Counseling. At the Root focuses on emotional connection and how awareness is at the root of building healthy relationships with self and others. Join me weekly to re-engage with both. At the Root airs Mondays at 3.30 p.m. here on KKNW. Subscribe to the podcast or go to Kuyper Counseling. Hi, I'm JDK Winnikin, host of This Show is All About You. If you're like me, you seek many things in your life. Adventure, meaning, belonging, you have dreams, and you want fun, and of course, you want love. And we also want other people to join us along the path. But what happens when you don't know how to have all that or where to start? Well, join me every week to learn more about how, because I am just like you. So join me each week here on KKNW for This Show is All About You, a show about how you and me become we and what that means for all of us. And be sure to visit my website, wordsbyjdk.com. Are you stuck in a creative straitjacket, going crazy, trying to find a different way out, exhausted from trying to make old ideas feel fresh? And relevant, Popcorn and Noodle is a boutique agency that specializes in popcorning new ideas and noodling on existing ones for entrepreneurs and small businesses. Whether it's ideas about what to name a new venture, how to promote your services, or which direction to consider next, Popcorn and Noodle serves ideas that pop and stick. Don't go crazy. Go to popcornandnoodleideas.com. Creative solutions serve daily. Going our own way every day. Alternative Talk 1150. Don't ask me to talk. Welcome back to the show. I am joined today by Simi Care. And during the break, we were talking about um, different kinds of brunch beverages like mimosas, which I just could not abide by i don't know it's just weird and because you don't like orange juice or champagne right apparently. so i yeah. just and um bloody mary i get but the orange juice uh, how can you not like orange juice i don't know so refreshing is it though yes it is if it's fresh <laughs> squeezed maybe i'm just a bougie orange juice drinker because i there don't like it you're a bougie orange juice drinker but not a boozy orange juice drinker there you go look at you <laughs> every time well and then we were talking about um uh, Bloody Marys. Right. 
And that, as I said, I love all the stuff that goes in it, like the olives and the pickles or the pickled asparagus. And the well, I don't really like celery. Celery is basically just crunchy water. Um, <laughs> but people love them. And I want to love it. Like, I want to be that person that has a brunch cocktail. It, it's like an alcoholic salad. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So eh, it's fine. And I asked Simi. So the first thing that I learned, other than the fact that she's a real estate agent and that she likes to cook, is that... She drinks wine. So there you go. There's there's our thing. I used to drink wine, and I said it started to give me a headache. Um, I think the tannins in wine um, were starting to affect me, although I did comment that perhaps it's because I was drinking too much of it. So that could be it. So, Simi, tell me about you. Tell me about... Um, Tell me a little bit about who you are personally before we get into the professional stuff. I'm a mom to two great kids, a wife to a great husband, a daughter to my parents, <laughs> and I'm a great educator too, I think. Um, my In my previous life, before I got into real estate, I was an educator and I like to be someone who can mentor others and educate others. So I think I like to call, call myself an educator, even in the real estate world. Well, and there's a lot to learn when you are, when you're navigating the process of selling or buying a home, things change so quickly. I mean, the market changes and um, rates change and the rules. I mean, I'm sure you had to change so much with COVID. So having yeah so having somebody that you work with that does want to educate you and walk you through the process that's really helpful now you said that you were an educator were you a teacher um i was a teacher for a very short time i was a teacher trainer for a longer time okay and i was principal of a school uh, for some time and then i had my own education in consultancy business Uh Um, back in India before that's where I lived before I moved to the U.S. Okay. And I moved to the U.S. in 2013. So it's not 10 years yet. Wow. So this that's so interesting that you came here from India and that you so quickly got into the real estate piece. Um, a big transition from what you were doing in India and, um, you know, you found yourself at home and I guess you want to help other people find their home. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting story. I don't think I ever focused on becoming a real estate agent. That was an accident or it was, um, it just happened. And But when it happened, it was great. And it was like a calling at that point. Uh, when we were buying our very first home, which was in 2015, um, because we moved to U.S. much later in life, we sold a home in India to buy a home here. And we did not get a great real estate agent. And the transaction just took ever to close. Ah. So we, I just got into it. One day I walked into a real estate office and I said, what does it take to be a real estate agent? I want to understand what's going on because nobody's answering my questions. Nobody's educating me. And I took all the information from there. That very night, I enrolled for a real estate course online and then got my license. 
and the rest is a history. Wow. I think it was so it was so much of passion and what I came to this industry with so much of coming from a place of service mm-hmm. which has always been an integral part of my life is to be of service to others in whatever form capacity I can be and I think that's something my parents ingrained in us as kids is that you always have to come from place of service and with that kind of mindset to come from place of service and my rational was that me being from another country and not understanding the process of buying a home here there'll be several like me america oh. is a melting pot we have people from everywhere and everywhere the real estate process is so different well so how can i be of service to them how can i educate them and with that calling i just plunged into real estate and there's been no looking back that's awesome well and you know i think it's a gross overstatement to say there's probably, you know, a few others like you. I mean, being in this particular area in the greater Seattle area between Microsoft and T-Mobile and Amazon and, you know, all of these big companies, there are people from all over the world that come here either permanently, they they move from their country or other part of the country like we did, Um And they're here either for, you know, a short period of time or a long period of time. But you're right. It's it's a different experience. Even coming from the East Coast to the West Coast was like a different world. And the way that things are done was different. So do you find then that your your primary demographic of client is people that are like yourself that need help understanding the process or is it very I would say in the, I, I would say in the beginning it was more of that and as I've grown and established my name it's a mix now so I do work with people who've been here for a long time want to sell their home now it's more on skill based mm-hmm. um, that's great so I've, it's, I've, it's- my skills. Well, (laughs) and you did the the description that I was talking about with the melting pot, right? So in the beginning, you just sort of melted into the role. And then as you established yourself, you were able to mix it up a little bit. And you don't need to stay in this one niche. Um, Although you can serve people that have those questions, um, you can serve anybody. Yeah, absolutely. You know, even it doesn't matter where they are from, uh, whether it's their first transaction or it's their fifth transaction, there's always something to educate them about. It's such a big changing world. And and it, as long as you're coming from that place of service and working for them, I think that's all you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just doesn't matter. It is. I mean, I, I don't they say that it's moving is one of the top most stressful things, like life-changing things. I think it's like buying a home, getting married, um, job changes. Like those are some of the top stressors that we face in our life. So finding the right partner going through the process that can help you navigate it is so important. And I think that's what I aim for. I aim to take away their stress from them so that, for them, the transaction is enjoyable. It creates memories and it's happy in the end. 
oh, there's always memories. And I feel like there's something that always goes wrong. Um, and I was talking with a friend of mine earlier um, today, actually, and we were talking about it's it's not about how you react when something goes wrong so much as it is like kind of after, right? So something goes wrong and then how do you deal with that? And that's where finding the right person, it's so important that they can, you know, allay your fears and say, oh, this kind of thing happens all the time. You know, explain what it is, talk you off the proverbial cliff. Exactly. You just have to tell them that you're there for them and in and real be there for them and take off their stress. Um, I, I can give you several examples of cases like that. Sometimes when I feel that it's not that important for my clients to know and get stressed, I don't tell them. Right. But at the same time, you have to be transparent too and honest with them. Uh, so I might not tell them when the problem starts, but when it's under control, I'll immediately go back and tell them this is how it is. And sometimes you have to tell them right that very moment. Right. And how do you do it? And what is your solution? What's your plan A? What's your plan B? What's your plan C? And we'll do it together. Makes me think of when I used to um, babysit. And, you know, there was always those questions of like, okay, when do you call the parents and let them know that, you know, you said that your kid's going to fall asleep at eight and they're not. And, you know, it's really late. And so, you know, do you really need to let them know that the kid is up past their bedtime? But then there's the, you know, your kid is projectile vomiting all over. <laughs> and you have to tell them. Right. That. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, and, and that is just about how personal the whole experience is. It is. It's because it's so it's it's a financial, a big financial uh, you know decision, too. But it's emotional, too, as well. So you have to draw a very fine balance between the emotions and the financial aspect of it. You don't want to be breaking hearts. You want to be creating happiness. Exactly. So how different is what is it like in India and housing and here versus here since you you came here fairly recently. I mean, as you say, it's not quite 10 years. Um, what is it like? Is it crazy like it is here? I don't know anything about what it is like there in terms of homes, if most people own, if they rent. Uh, what is it like? A lot of people do own homes. But again, India has a big uh, joint family system. And I think one of the reasons why they have joint families is because it's so expensive to buy homes that the younger generation is not able to buy one. And so they end up living with families like the home that we lived in India was built in 1948. And it was built by my husband's great grandfather. Wow. So not his grandfather, but his father. So and it, so it's been an ancestral home. We did have a floor to ourselves. But when we did have the extended family living in the same house, it was a big home. But uh, that was, and then we did eventually buy another home by ourselves too, which is the one we sold okay. to buy the property here. But so, and and the transaction is very very different from here, right? We here we have a seller representing an agent, a buyer represented by another agent in India. 
it's very different. The agent just brings the two parties together and they negotiate with each other. So sellers and buyers are negotiating directly with each other. Interesting. And the agent is paid by both the parties. Whereas here, it's very hard because I do end up working with a lot of young, uh, younger people and, you know, they have parents back home and sometimes it could be India, it could be Romania, it could be, and when they speak to their parents, they're guided as their parents understand it. And they're like, why is your agent talking? Why are you not talking with the seller? So it, it's a great, uh, you know, you really have to educate them there that, no, you cannot talk to the seller directly. That right. is why the agent representation is so important. That's so interesting. I I have, um, my husband has been to India several times for work. And of course, you know, you see one side of India when you're um, traveling for business um, or even as a tourist. Um, my exposure is watching, which I loved on Netflix, uh, The Indian Matchmaker. Did you watch that by any chance? I did. It I was did. so good. I was so <laughs> fascinated by this show. For those of you that didn't see it, it was this show about a matchmaker in India, and she worked with um, with people both in India and in the United States, and she's hired to bring um, potential matches to these people that have hired her or the parents or whatever. And it was just a, a fascinating cultural um, exchange and information. And I was just the gal that lived in Texas. I did not like that girl. <laughs> um, I was like, Hey girly. Um, but it was just an interesting insight into a different culture and kind of a fun one. I know. Is that well, now? I didn't, I didn't get matched for my marriage. So uh, yours is a I love match. Have- Yes, I love match. <laughs> I got to learn about this, that there are there can be love matches and there can be arranged uh, matches. And it was so interesting to, you know, um, culturally, you know, as an American looking at the idea of an arranged marriage, it's like, oh, that must be terrible. And yet listening to the couples, the parents, the people that are interviewed throughout this show, it was so interesting that ultimately at the end of the day, even in a love match, you know, you get old, you get tired of each other, you know, things happen over the course of, you know, your 29 years of marriage. That's I'm speaking of me, of course. And um, to be friends with someone, to have a partnership, to have mutual respect and understanding uh, really then be at the core of the relationship. It seems like that's what the arranged marriages are ultimately all about. Yeah, I think any marriage is an adjustment. I've been married for 30 years and I've known my husband for 36 years. So okay. I met him as very young. <laughs> I'm the same way. I I <laughs> technically met my husband when I was like 13 um, because he was my older brother's um friend from college and then when I was 18 I turned his head and the love story began then um you're right though like it's it's a long time and and it just distilled it was just a fascinating outlook because it really distilled down the key elements of what make for a successful marriage that the love thing 
that's all well and good. Um, but, you know, the passion piece or the romantic love or those kinds of things, they really don't sustain a long-term relationship the way that people think they're going to. Yeah, and, and I think it's uh, some people still believe in India that the arranged marriages last longer than the so-called love marriages because they're arranged by elders and they think through and they match them at a different level mm-hmm. uh, than when you fall in love with the more you know, more of love marriages are happening now. It's becoming more common people to find their own partners. Right. Uh, but I don't yeah, know. It's, it's well, I mean, it's like it's a silly thing, but it's it's just a interesting cultural. I was curious about, you know, the housing market and how that is different culturally. Um, and then, of course, that naturally leads to the Indian matchmaker. Um because it's just, I am so fascinated by learning about different cultures and learning what the experience is like um, and how that transition is. And it's always so great when, going back to my analogy, you stir things up a little bit and, you know, um, educate the people that you're around. And it's like, there's that expression, when in Rome, you have to do what the Romans do. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. when it comes to buying a house, yes, you've got to do it, as you say, the way that it's done here. However, I don't know. Everybody, everybody needs to be authentic to who they are and where they come from and, and what they want to say, right? Yeah, because I think in, uh, in India, it's very common for a property to get listed at a value and then the because the buyer and seller sit down and negotiate, it's always sold under that value. And with our Seattle market being in frenzy. <laughs> right. Yeah. So how has how has the market been? Because um, obviously during the pandemic, there were certain things that there was a shortage of, like toilet paper and houses and then all of a sudden when people started to realize that they could get great sums of money for their homes they started selling them but then it's like okay well now where do we go it's still like that i think we still have a lot of shortage of homes the inventory is still very low Uh, east side where i do most of my work we still get 10 offers on a home wow and i like you know i think it's an art The you know, when clients come to me and say, what would, how would you negotiate for us? And my thing is my negotiation skills will get you the house. Right. It's not about getting the price. So I think that's the biggest mindset change I have to bring in some of the population that's not grown up here is that negotiation can also have very different forms. It's not always about the monetary value. Right. I mean, it seems like more and more. (laughs) It is. Well, and it seems like more and more you hear about people like writing a letter and, you know, like submitting that or, um, you know, bringing in different things, as you say, that's not just the money piece, um, whether it's the things that you're going to do after the inspection or you're waiving the inspection or it's the letter and the personal connection or you know, it seems like there's so many other things now that people bring into play with their offer. It's like 
you need a whole like suite of things that that you can do. You have to get creative with every offer and every offer is very, very different. I would imagine. Yeah. And um, I do a lot of buyers as well as I do sellers too. And, you know, when you're a seller's agent, you're like a king. So for that one day when you're getting the offers and all, you're like a king, but you have to always keep yourself grounded and say, tomorrow I'm going to be on the buyer's side and I'm still going to be facing another king on the other side so how do you what do you want to do and I think uh, compassion plays a lot of role there and as well as empathy to be able to empathize with the buyers and their pain even when you're representing the sellers sure well and karma I think karma is a real thing and I do believe in that too right like your karma comes back to you so do good on to others as you would want them to do to you. Right. And, you know, and ultimately what is, as you have been talking about, what is most in service to the seller and, you know, the buyer. And if you get too greedy, um, things can fall through and it's not quite what you think it's going to be. And, you know, there's definitely that delicate balance. And it seems like buyers... Um, Good agents help them figure out the love language of the seller then. You know, what is the thing that is that seller's love language? Um, And for some, maybe it's money. For some, it's I need to get out of here. I don't want to deal with details. For some, it's I've lived in this house for my entire married life, and I want to know that this home is going to go to like-minded people that understand how difficult this is for me. Yeah, and you have to be very careful of the fair uh, housing laws, too, because you cannot discriminate. Right. Yeah. So you have to be careful with that, too. And, and that's where you have to educate your clients again, you know, like they'll hear stories from their friends or they'll read online and say, can we do a video for the seller? And I always tell them, no, we can't do a video for the seller because that's against the fair housing laws. Right. You know, so... It's it's you. I think for me, it's very important to be as much as transparent as I can be with my clients, as well as as honest. Mm-hmm. And at the end, let them make the final decision. But I would represent them under the periphery of the law. Right. Absolutely. So interesting. So interesting. Okay, let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, I want to talk to you about this love for cooking that you have and how you've shared it with other people. So um, keep listening. You're listening to Don't Ask Me to Talk with Stacey Heller and my guest today, Simi Kerr. Stacey Heller is many things, entertaining yet enlightening. She's a talk show host channeling her inner Fallon. Like Winston Wolf, she's a fixer who gets things done with style. Practical, like Dr. Ruth. Stacy isn't afraid of the uncomfortable when searching for answers. She's your biggest fan and sees your potential before you do. Most of all, Stacy Heller is a synapse who can connect impulses and ideas about your business and yourself into possibility. To connect with Stacy, go to stacyconnects.com. Stacy Connects, it's her superpower. 
Alternative Talk 1150. It's good for what ails you. This statement has not been evaluated by the FDA. Don't ask me to talk. Welcome back to the show. Uh, As I indicated, I am excited to talk to you about the food piece. When you and I chatted oh so long ago, we were talking about podcast ideas and what makes sense. And, you know, obviously you being a real estate agent, um, that's something that's really easy to talk about. However, I'm like, okay, is that the thing that she should talk about? Or what's the what's the little niche thing that she can talk about that is going to be, you know, that interesting, educational, entertaining piece? And then when you started talking about how you've um, taught cooking before and you've done things like that, I was like, that's the thing that you need to do. That's the niche. Um, Because I just, you know, obviously nourishing people on a metaphorical level and a literal level um, with things that you're making. I mean, and it's done in the heart of the home. So, um, you know, you're trying to give people when you sell them a house, you're trying to give them a space where they can have their own heart of their home. Exactly. (laughs) So tell me about the cooking piece. Who taught you to cook? Uh, My mom. My mom taught me to cook most of the things. There's some things I learned from my mother-in-law, my husband's grandma. I picked up a lot of cooking from her. She was a great cook um, and nobody had picked up what she cooked. So I was, a, and I love cooking. So I volunteered. I was like, I'll preserve the family recipes by learning from her. And that brings me to my new project because uh, so I'm starting a new YouTube channel uh, with my mom and my daughter because we want to preserve the family recipes as well. And so that we still haven't named the channel. I wish I had, <laughs> but we're about to be, but it's going to be something with my and me or, and I love that. We're, we're probably aiming to launch from 1st of November. We already shot two recipes last week. We're shooting every Tuesday, four to six. Uh, so my right now outside, my mom, my daughter, everyone is geared up to shoot our recipes today. That's so, so exciting. For that. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. I love it. See, I I knew when you and I chatted that the thing that you had to do, because while the real estate piece is something that you do and you get excited about it and you know you really enjoy doing it, there's just that um that extra sparkle that you get when you're talking about the food piece and you know. People just connect with that. And I love the fact that you learned things um, from, you said, your husband's grandmother, right? Yeah. I had the same opportunity when I was a, a young bride all those years ago. I remember spending several afternoons with my husband's grandmother, and uh, she was Italian. And so Vincenza, they called her Chinzi Longo, and she made amazing sauce um and i remember the whole process of like you know what you put in and when you put it in and it needed to have like a halo of oil around it and then she'd say like okay now we go and we watch our shows for a while and i was like our shows what are we what are we doing and she would go in and she would watch like general hospital 
and One Life to Live. And then, like, she knew that she would, in between the shows, she would stir the sauce. And while it's a silly thing on the one hand, it was this, there was a bigger lesson there that it was not a hurried process. That it was a slow process where she took her time and that she was putting both her love of others, but also her love for self-care and like, you know, I'm not going to do this quickly. You know, nothing worth doing is, is going to be quick. Um, and so that was a lesson that I love. So when I make sauce for my family, I'm like, what's the equivalent of me going to watch these shows that she used to watch? Yeah. Maybe I should have you as a guest on my YouTube channel. <laughs> I'll make a sauce. How <laughs> you make the sauce? There we go. So, what kind of things are you? Um, what are the recipes? What kind of recipes are you going to be sharing? So, right now, we're trying to focus on my mom's recipes. Most of it is going to be Indian cooking because that's what she does. Sure. And then I am going to bring in my recipes, which have you know developed over the time or learned from Amit's grandmother. And then my daughter wants, uh, she does more of fusion food. So she wants to bring in those recipes and we want to create this channel for our future generation. So it's all documented and they can come and look at it and cook as we cook. You know? I love that. It's like an Indian evolution, right? Like, you know, just this idea of how traditions get um transferred from generation to generation you know things that you got from your mother-in-law your grandmother-in-law your own mother um that were likely passed down from you know her mother or mother-in-law and um you bringing your own little spin to it um and then you know your daughter bringing in that fusion piece that you know she obviously how old is your daughter she's 29 (laughs) so you know her being, I assume that she's stateside. She's here in the United States. Yeah, she stays in, here in yeah. Spanish too. So. so, you know, the fact that she's had, you know, 10 years or so in the States and has probably picked up on things very quickly and loves that idea of melting them together or stirring things exactly. up. <laughs> yeah, that's what cooking is all about, right? Again, it's a passion and it's, it's feeding the souls. It's not just the belly. I think you need to feed the soul too. Absolutely. What are um, favorite dishes that you find that you love to make and people love to be served? I think there are many that I love to make, but when I did my cooking classes, what people really loved and which really became famous was like butter chicken, uh, butter paneer, chai. Chai was really famous, lassi. Um, palak paneer so and alu paratha that's what my mom is going to be showing today and that's um, bread made out of potatoes oh it's yummy so okay so explain this a bread made out of potato um like is it like a latka no so it's not it's not a bread made out of potatoes so it's like dough filled with potatoes and then rolled and cooked that sounds like amazing because I'm all about carb on carb. 
me too, me too. Right? I mean, I'm like potato and bread together. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, that sounds amazing. I mean, my favorite every year for my birthday, my family makes for me the thing that I always ask for is grilled cheese sandwiches. And they find good bread and then they find interesting cheeses and they put it all together. And I love having like chips with it or fries or something because I love my bread and my cheese and my potatoes. That's yeah, really I love bread cheese too. <laughs> now tell me what is you said uh was it a butter chicken? Butter chicken. Yeah. So what is that? That's a chicken, so it's, it's you can take any type of chicken. You can take a tandoori chicken or a broiled chicken or chicken cooked in any ways. And it's made in a sauce that's tomato base. Oh. And, you know, it, it's, it, and it's buttery and it, it's oh. got a smooth texture. You can add cream to it. You can, it's pretty rich and people love it with naan. It's better chicken evolved in New Delhi in one of the restaurants of New Delhi after Pakistan. You know, India, we talk a lot things about partition. So after partition, this restaurant got opened up in Old Delhi called Moti Mahal. Okay. Where they had some, the story goes like this, that they had tomato sauce left, a lot of it left, and they tried to experiment with it and put in all the leftover tandoori chicken into it and simmered and cooked with cream in it. And it just was amazing in taste. And till date, you get the best butter chicken in Modi Mahal in Old Delhi. Oh, that's so... There's several versions of that. But uh, it's one of the favorites. My kids love it right from, I think, uh, even when they were kids, my husband loves it. And everyone in my class, every class that I taught loved butter chicken. I still get text messages when they cook but it's been like six years since I did my last class oh my gosh and I still get text messages with pictures saying look we made butter chicken today I'm so like okay you need to are you going to make that <laughs> as one of your recipes I am I'm going to make that too <laughs> you definitely have a follower then in me because that sounds amazing so I grew up with and I know that my mom is listening right now with her friends Diane and Lee they all live in um, a retirement a continuing care place in outside of Philly and my mom hates to cook hates it hates it hates it hates it and so she loves recipes where it's like take some chicken breasts throw them in a pan and then throw a bunch of random ingredients in it and call it like call it good and then have a salad and um you know she's kind of like that's it and so you know i grew up eating like chicken tetrazzini and chicken that had like cranberry sauce and like some awful salad dressing mixed together and whatever. Weirdly, it always seemed to taste decent. Um, but you just didn't want to know what the ingredients were because it sounded hideous. And so I love myself a good saucy chicken and especially something that you can dip naan in and eat. I mean, sounds delicious. Yeah, the good thing is you can make the butter chicken sauce and freeze it if you want and just take out a little and cook when so it's a five minute meal. Um, so that's my aim is like to make things very simple and I don't use too many spices. I think that's what really makes me different from other cooks is that 
I don't I really like the flavor of the food so avoid putting too many spices because then the spices take over and the flavor of the food goes away so it's very simple you don't need to be shopping at indian store to make recipes that we are going to be showing you can buy anywhere and cook yourself. I love that. I love that. And I agree with you. It's one of the reasons why going to, it's actually one of the reasons why doing this um, show that I'm going to be doing, I don't want to talk about the food specifically because a lot of restaurants are into adding all of these layers of complexity and, you know, whatever it is that they talk about. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But does it taste good? Does the chef know how to prepare this particular item? You know, is it tender? Is it tasty? Does it taste fresh? Um, and people don't appreciate the clarity of um, tastes and textures enough. Yeah, I think keep it simple. That's what my life is about. Just keep it simple. Whether it's your life, whether it's your business or it's your passion, whatever you're doing, keep it simple. That's amazing. If people are interested in uh, learning more about you as a real estate agent and or you and this YouTube channel that you're doing, how can people get in touch with you? They can reach out to me at Simi, S-I-M-M-I, at SimiRealEstate.com. That's my email ID. And if you Google Simi Care, S-I-M-M-I-K-H-E-R, there's only one person with that name. (laughs) So I do have a unique name and a unique advantage. You'll be able to find me. Feel free to call me. My number is 425-324-6466. Awesome. And the YouTube channel is live. I will share the details with you, Stacey. That's great. And I will post it on my story or my page so that people that are listening look for that. And I will make sure that uh, once you've named it and it's fully launched, then people can look for that and figure out the whole butter chicken recipe. Ah! Well, thank you so much for being a guest. I knew that we would have plenty to talk about. I so appreciate you joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation and hopefully we can do it again. I would love that. Um, Thank you to Eric. It's always a pleasure. And uh, next week, my guest is Dr. Busy Riley. She was a guest on with my mother a little while ago. Uh, She's a naturopathic doctor. She's my doctor. And she's also the owner of Thrive Supplements in Issaquah. And I love her. Her whole mantra is live like you give a darn. So um, in the meantime, everybody, stay connected. Have a great week. Thank you.